Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast. Another home game, early kickoff on Saturday, a game against Southampton. The team that are favourites, or certainly one of the favourites, to win the championship relegated from the Premier League last season. And it did end in a 5-0 win for Sunderland, which I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, so as always, we'll get into what happened, who scored, the goals, and of course, a little bit about the players that have come in as well um, since the last podcast. Albeit, there will be another podcast out in the future to talk deeply about all of that. But on the game itself, John, any result out of that game would probably have been seen as a good one. Never mind a 5-0 win. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've all seen it now and, you know, it is it is a fantastic result. Um, maybe one that's needed after maybe the, the sort of turbulent few days we've had, you know, and maybe they're not as turbulent as maybe we thought they are and people sticking, you know, their opinions out and it, and it does, you know, it does catch a hold on Twitter and, and those types of things. But t- like to me, that performance showed that half the stuff or maybe most of the stuff that I read probably wasn't, wasn't true and you're coming up against a very very good team um you know can we can we set up to play against them um I wasn't I wouldn't have said worried um you know going into the game because I thought you know us at home you know we're we're still decent even though we haven't got the best of records um but to be fair to the coaching staff and the and the team absolutely spot on you know from from the first minute an early goal does help you know and and, and a second goal <laughs> certainly helps you know a, a quick one and that sort of kills them and they sort of played they played their game Southampton you know from start to finish didn't really change anything and you know we 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 totally totally had them and like I say with with the, the we'll call it a week with the week we've had with he going there going they're not going this could go in and all that type mm-hmm. of thing the, the best thing I think that you can do is and I think we're all relieved to get back to the football and it be good football you know, we've got so many exciting players. We've got a lot of injuries, but you know, the squad we put out today, it was it, for me, it was fantastic from from everyone, and they they all played the part. And obviously, with that win, Michael, it's you know, I think it's a very similar, if not identical, start to the season that we had last year as well in terms of points return. Um, certainly similar, like I say, if not the same. But this was one of the games that probably suited Sunderland I think again we've said this the entirety of last season against teams like Burnley and albeit Sheffield United we didn't get any results against but games like this do suit Sunderland where you know they're not necessarily going to have you know 80% of possession I think we ended up with about 35 in the game um, 32 to be precise but yeah there you go. even less <laughs> um, which I think is probably the lowest we've had in any game this season I'd be surprised if not but what that means is it means that Southampton, you know, step up more, they leave more gaps in behind, they put more players forward because obviously they're expected to win. And when you've got players like obviously Pritchard who came off the bench, Bradley Dak, Abdullah Bar, who had a good game, that's when players like that can be utilised to the fullest. The thing is, you're exactly right because the thing is, I mean, if you want to look at the two two of the games this year, you look at someone like the Ipswich game and the Southampton home game, the, the chalk and cheese in terms of styles where. Ipswich basically came up and although obviously they aren't a bad side, you know, they, they most of the game they were sat in their own half, at least in the first half. And the onus was on Sunderland to try and break them down. And that's quite different. We've had to, it's not just this season, we've struggled against that. We often struggle more against teams that come and sit and put 10 men behind the ball. And it sometimes leads to frustrations, especially if you make a silly mistake, give the goal away. And then all of a sudden you're really facing an uphill battle to break a team down. 
But with a team like Southampton, as you've said, they, they're expected to be up there challenging near the top. I still think they'll be up there in the top. If I'm going to go with South, I still think that they'll get better as the season goes on. I think they will. They should still at least be in the playoffs, if not the top two. But the point is, Southampton was not were not going to come up here to just sit back. They were going to come here to have a goal. And providing Sunderland were able to stand up to that and you know not give away any goals, which obviously is easier said than done against the Southampton team, because these this, that Southampton team, regardless of who they've lost, still has quality for this league then it meant that we could switch and transition very quickly and we were able to go from back to front very quickly. Evidenced by, for example, I mean, I, I promise I don't keep doing this on purpose to segue into points you're probably going to make, but like the first goal, um, you know, the first goal, when I mean, we give the ball away from kickoff, Southampton have a couple of op- early opportunities or half opportunities anyway. And then we do one long ball forward to bar on the left-hand side, keep the ball, and then it leads to the basically leads to the goal with a passage of play. But the point is, we broke quickly because Southampton were pushing forward, and these sort of games, you are right, do suit Sunderland. Um, I mean, I mean, and as John said, I mean, the result in general was just staggering. Like, uh, you know, it even got to the point where a couple of the goals, like the third and fourth ones, I didn't celebrate them just because I'm not because I was unhappy, but because I was just genuinely stunned. Yeah. Like, I was so I was so happy, I was stunned as to what I was watching live in front of me. But yes, I mean, that you're right though. The games like this suit Sunderland, and it's definitely helpful that Southampton push forward. Which, and obviously, once you get in front as well, then it means they've got to push forward even more, which leaves more gaps for you. Which is what ended up happening across the game. Yeah. No, so the first goal is in the fifty-second, fifty-second second. I was going to say that's a weird that way of saying seconds, it, isn't it? Fifty-second second. No, yeah, that is the right way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah, Fif- it is yeah. Right. Second, it just doesn't sound right at all, does it? <laughs> um, and that's Jack Clark that gets it soon after I think and this is in the seventh minute Pierre Equa makes it 2-0 John both goals which I was fortunate enough to not see because of reasons unknown at this stage but a very good start and I think that's what Sunderland needed to do against a team like Southampton and it's going to be similar in the games when we play Leeds uh, Leicester and you know other teams that are expected to be at the top because the longer Southampton are in a game like this the more it probably favours them because, you know, what they do is tie your opposition out. Um, they have a game plan to stick to it. They have a lot of possession. Um, and eventually that will catch up to you. So to go turn up after seven minutes is, you know, exactly what Sunderland needed, really. Yeah, it was it was the perfect perfect start. Um, you know, we're, we're reactionary to, to obviously giving the ball away. Um, and then, you know, it's, it is a fantastic goal if we if we did break it down. Um, and it, it sets the tone, you know, we can maybe settle in a bit and think, right, keep it tight, let them do their, you know, they, they weren't very progressive passes. They were sort of, yeah, they had a lot of passes and I've seen the stats, you know, for their season and it's very, you know, sort of slow back passing. Um, so we're, we're a, like you say, I think we're a very, very good team um, to sort of, well, well, we'll just wait because we know when we have got the chances, you know, bar them minimal. Because I think we were the best in the league last season for chances created when we had the when we had the boy instead of having lots of it and maybe not creating as much um so you know Ek were getting the second goal again that that puts them back a little bit and you're thinking are they going to react are they going to change and and they didn't and it probably wasn't until I'd, I'd say even when Dak scored I was thinking but Savanton is surely you know going to get one or two goals back I wasn't 100% confident obviously we know as Sullivan fans it it doesn't yeah. like that um, you know, they had their they had their little spells. Um, but I thought on the whole, you know, I thought we dealt with them, 
you know, properly and, and professionally. You've got to take your hat off to the coaching staff. I think Mowbray mentioned it in his in his post match saying, you know, Dodson, um, Proctor, you know, that they sort of come up with the game plan. And, you know, it was it was perfection, you know, absolutely. But I could point out every single player doing, you know, something brilliant. You know, we've, we've had a few players who, you know, we know O9's under pressure because of Bath leaving and he's the centre-back now. And, you know, as Trey Hume started as well as, you know, like yesterday was was fantastic. Abdullah Bar, you're sort of thinking, well, he's on the wing, you know, probably his best game in a Sunland shirt. You know, it really worked for Dak. I thought Belling was was fantastic. You know, we, we could go for all, all of them, you know, and even the players coming on and, and fitting into a to a good system. You know, it was it was perfection from start to finish for me as as any game could go. Um I think the only thing I got worried about is when someone stamped on on Dan Ballard. I was my yeah. sort of heart was in my uh in my mouth. But you know, yeah. when when teams come to the stadium like and you can hit them hard and hit them quick, you know, and you get We'll say get the fans on side if you if you see what I mean and get it bouncing is very very hard to then to then come back and maybe even though we're a young team, sorry to obviously go on now we're we're a young team. Mowbray did say obviously we've been here last season when we were two 0 up at half time with um, with Burnley second half we got absolutely murdered by a fantastic team. Southampton are a very very good team, but it's nice to see us draw on that experience even though we're still young. And then obviously second half we put that into fruition, and to be fair, smashed them second half as well. So, mm. and obviously that's probably the first game really this season where Sunderland have got the result that they deserved to get. Um, yeah. Because you look at some of the results, you know, since the start of the season, the Ipswich result, Preston result, the performance is probably better than the result suggested. This is the first game where you know the performance certainly matched the result and. I think Clark said it in the interview as well. Everything just clicked and we'll kind of get on to um, the goals in the second half as well. But as a collective, the goals that we scored against Southampton are goals that we hadn't really scored all season. You know, so many times we came on the podcast and talked about how people the crossing was. Well, two of our goals against Southampton led to crosses, yeah. uh, came from crosses. You know, the first one from Hume, which is a very good cross. Uh, two of them come from Equa having a shot from long range. Which again, after podcast against Preston, Ipswich, whoever it was, you know, we were saying, why don't we just shoot more often? You know, have a shot from outside the box when the chance arises. We did that, we scored two goals from that. And the five goals are from things that we've been largely quite poor at since the start of the season. Well, even if you touch on the crosses point, like if you look at the fourth goal, because I've just, funny enough, I've had the game recorded and I was just watching it back as you were talking. And the fourth goal result has originated in some ways from a cross. It was a cross yeah. from Sirkin, which, uh, I mean, I know you want to touch on it later, but it's basically a cross from Sirkin, which Dak headers at the key and Banzunu, I think is how you pronounce his name. And then basically the little bit of play after that results in the goal. But yeah, you're right. So three of the goals involved crosses. And then I think it was the second and, th- well, yeah, and then second and third one shoot from distance. And I'm not usually a big fan of us shooting from distance, but that's probably more than likely because we're not very good at it on the whole. But yes. You know, we, we, I think it was one of the, I think it was, you said that Jack Clark said things just clicked. They just worked. And although across the, across the previous four games, if you were to quickly touch on each of them, Preston and Ipswich deserved at least a point. Preston, in my opinion, definitely deserved a win, but obviously we didn't get it. Rotherham, I think, was still our weakest performance, but we still played, we did enough to win the game, I think. And then Coventry, look, again, from, a, from an attacking point of view, that was probably our worst performance, but defensively, we made up for it. But yes, this was the first game where, 
Sunderland, and I think you'll agree with this, Sunderland got the rub of the green for once. Where if you look at Ipswich, if you look at the goals we conceded prior to, well, yeah, the, the goals we conceded, we haven't conceded in the last two games, which is a which is another important thing. But um, you know, the goals we conceded, four of them have come from a result of a deflection or some sort, and yeah. and that sort of thing is not sustainable. And even at the time we said that sort of thing will not usually happen regularly across the season unless something very freakish happens. But yesterday, I mean, the second goal, there was an element of a deflection into it. But at the end of the day, we earned that luck. We deserved it. And we've deserved it across the four games prior to this. So yeah. I think we've done exceptionally. And like John said, just to quickly add on to something that John said and you both said before, if you get the place bouncing early on, the Stadium of Light should be a very, very intimidating place for people to come to. Um, because again, in Southampton were shell-shocked by the opening, what, 10, 15 minutes? And they yeah. didn't know how they simply, and that's the situation they weren't in before. I know they went behind against Norwich, I think, in the 4 4 they had, but they were never really like two goals out of it or anything. They were never really out of the game. That's something they weren't used to, and they were shell shocked. And um, we've got a young, energetic side with pace and with intensity and just all around really good gameplay. So that would be very hard to defend. But to answer your question, yes, things just worked for us for once. We're finally overdue it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and just quickly on the fifth goal, which, you know, I think the game was already dead and buried by then, John, but Bennett came on, uh, Rig came on, and I think that's his first championship appearance, I think. Could be wrong on that. I think so. I think it's you... his first championship. Played in the League Cup, obviously scored in the League Cup uh, in the defeat that we had on penalties against Crew. Uh, scored, I think he scored another game as well, did he? Or did he not? I know he had a goal disallowed against Fulham last season. But either yeah, way, it was, that, that was disallowed, yes. It's definitely his first goal in the championship. And again, it comes from another cross. Uh, we get the first ball. Uh, Rig wins the header. But, you know, I don't really know what Bennett was doing in the build-up to the goal. But <laughs> it looked good. The first two roulettes that you do, you know, there's a point to it. He beat the player. He beat the second player. The third play, uh, the third roulette was a bit, a bit random. But it worked. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll take it all day long. I think Russell Martin, it was, it was nice to see his... Uh, little interview um, at the end saying like, you know, they, they just didn't match um, our desire and that's desire from him. Cause if that's, if I'm the Southampton player, I'm probably going to snap Jewish and Bennett in half there. Um, but they, yeah. you know, they, they didn't really seem to get, to get near him. And that's a boy who's frustrated because obviously he hasn't played as much as he, he would have liked, you know, he was talking from going on loan, but you know, thank God we did keep him to be fair. Um, you know, who who then wants to go on and prove. And obviously we know he's he's played today against um the Man United on the twenty ones and and got us a draw there. Um so, you know, there there is a player there and I think he's maybe been a bit unlucky, obviously, with the striker situation because, you know, the the times when we used to bring him on, um he'd get a cross in and we we'd already taken Ross Stewart off and he'd be our only striker at that time. You know, so he is getting crosses in. So if they if they are working on those types of things, which they are, you know, he doesn't really hesitate to think, well, I'll just, I'll just go and get it in the box, um, you know, and a, an excellent cross. And finally, we're actually flooding the box. You know, I can't, there was countless times yesterday we, we flooded the box and you want, you know, we, we, we've all seen it, you know, a 16-year-old playing sort of like, you know, what a 25-year-old would, you know, know where to be. And, you know, he's, he's quite small by, you know, the looks of him and, you know, it's a fantastic, I see people who would sort of shirk that header, but to go up and, you know, you can see, I think in his eyes, you can already see he knows he's going to score. You know, that again, yeah. it's that desire to go and win the ball. Um, and, uh, you know, we could probably question the goalkeeper was, you know, sort of a bit weak handed. But unfortunately, you make 
you know, you 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 take it. Um, and it was, I think I think we deserved it as a team um, for the fifth one to go. And you know, we I think Hemir should have probably scored. Um, we probably had a couple of other um, opportunities. Jack Clark probably unlucky um, to get more. Um, so it was it was nice to sort of round it off and you know maybe just reset the atmosphere in the stadium. You know, sort of a refresher of this was a good day, a good result for everybody and, and good for Rig as well. You know, he, he didn't know what to do. You know, he did sort of four celebrations and, you know, <laughs> and absolutely loved it. And that's, that's what you want to see. You know, he's bowl accounts, he's a Newcastle fan. And to, you know, if you, if you watch today, you, you know, you probably wouldn't have said he is judging by, you know, what he did and what his celebration was. So, you know, it's, we've got an absolute gem there and bowl accounts. We turned down a three million pound bid from Man United for him. So, yeah, you're gonna to have to uh, add a few zeros on there, mate. Unfortunately, you are. Um, and obviously, that game against Southampton is not the only thing that happened um, in the last few days, Mike. And like I say, we'll do a podcast actually talking yeah. specifically about it. But you know, with the international break now, which comes at a bad time and a good time, a bad time because you're on the back of two clean sheets, a massive win against one of the league favourites, you're gonna to want to keep that momentum. Um, but a good time because the players that have come in. Now have two weeks to settle in, train with the players, train with the squad, you know, kind of get an understanding as to what, you know, they're going to be asked to do when they do play. Um, and of course, you know, a little bit more time for the likes of Elise. Um, trying to think of who else was injured. Obviously, Roberts, Mayenda, um, obviously, with Teddy and stuff, are still a little bit far out. But the two weeks that they have to, to get up to speed, get the match fitness and get used to playing with the squad, the likes of Wachiche, who I think I think that's how you say his name, uh, Rusin, who came in, I think he's waiting for his visa, um, which hopefully comes soon, and obviously Pembele as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they fit into the team after the international break and, and you know, kind of what changes because, you know, I've done, I think QBR is the game after this break. You're going to have six or seven players, you know, fit, ready to come back into the squad off the back of a 5-0 win against Southampton. Well, exactly. But, I mean, at the same time, it obviously, it's a funny one because it's a conundrum of whether you change the team to get a striker into it um, or that this team's just helped beat Southampton 5-0. And although we definitely, like John said earlier, deserve the result absolutely um, against Southampton, across the course of the season, it's not sustainable to play like that without a striker. Well, to score five, I think I think it's going to depend game. on the game as well because I think well, with Southampton, yeah, yeah. you know, dominating possession, having someone like Dak to play up front to link stuff is going to be the difference. But against QBR, who I think it's have slightly game, improved, it? Yeah. it is, and you know they're probably going to sit deep. They're going to let us have the ball, having a striker in there just to you know whether it's Burst or whether it's Roos and whether it's Mayende or Hamia and yeah. whoever else. We've got that many of them now. Um, you know, to get a good ball in the box and it can cause problems. So, it, like I say, it'll be interesting to see who starts, who's in the squad, and if there is changes, who misses out. Well, again, it, it's every game's different. Every game's got its own set of requirements. And we've got to remember as well, I mean, the next three games, I think, are all within eight days of each other, aren't they? I think you're QPR on the weekend. Yeah. Then you've got Blackburn, I think, on the Wednesday night. I, I think that's correct. And then we've got the Cardiff game, I think, on the following Sunday. So, you know, yeah. these these players are going to get minutes, but in certain, I mean, the game like QPR, you've just alluded to it there. Like, if we play with a striker up top, sometimes because they're going to be compact and hard to break down. So if that's the case. If you have a striker to pull one of the defenders out of shape, then it leaves space for say Clark or Roberts if he comes back, or Barr if he's still playing, or Dak or Bellingham. You know, it, it causes a lot of problems for a lot of opposition players. 
But at the same time, this is the type of conundrum you want to be having because this team's just beaten Southampton 5-0. And when you talk about um, confidence, like, you know, a lot of the football, a lot of football is about confidence. And the fact of the matter is, if this isn't going to give us confidence, then I'm baffled as to what will give us confidence going forward. And as well as well for the younger, well for the new players coming in, it just gives them two weeks to settle into the area because obviously we were pretty busy on deadline day and we were we got four players in who are all, with the exception of Burstow from Chelsea, are from abroad. So in that sense, you want to make sure that they've got time to just sort of just settle into the area a little bit. Um, so yeah, I do get what your point. That obviously you want to keep momentum, but I think for me personally, this comes at a good time because we'll go into it on, and also it might make it a happier camp as well because I can't imagine the atmosphere at the training ground would have been the best over the last couple of days of the window with what was going on. Mm. But this result, I think, will just calm both us fans and players and everybody down and just go right. That's it. Like you said, like you guys said earlier, I think it was John who said it. It's about the football now. Train, get settled into the area, move on to the games coming up, and we'll see where it takes us from there. Yeah. Uh, three players that stood out, John. Go. On. Uh, I've got to go with Dan Ballard. I thought he was excellent yesterday. Um, very, very good. Um, I'll probably go Jack Clark as well. A lot of criticism saying he's unhappy and blah, 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 blah. But he didn't look at yesterday, mine, did he? Nah, always, always wanted the ball. Didn't always come off. But I thought, he, to be fair, he's he's probably the player that Southampton were missing. Um, you know, just bringing the ball up and was fantastic, was doing his, his defensive side as well. Um, and the third one, I'd probably go for... I'll go for uh, Jules and Bennett, just for coming on and sort of making a difference. It, it could have been a lot of them, to be fair. So, you know, it was yeah. it was a very much a whole team performance. But yeah, very, very good day. It was Michael Few. John's Nick, two of my options. Um, <laughs> okay. For the, sake of, for the sake of being different, I'll go three different players, um, one of which he hasn't mentioned. Um, if you want it in no particular order, obviously Pierre Equa's got to be one of them. I think a lot of the time he ran the show in midfield, and there was one occasion, I think, where he was messing around with the ball in the first half that he, uh, that he lost it. But other than that, I don't think he did much wrong, if anything. I thought he was he just ran things in midfield. Second, I think, a uh, quite underrated shout is Dan Neal. I think Dan Neal was, re- again, like with Pierre Equa, was all about the pitch, was positionally very good across the game. Help break things up as well. Um, and obviously, Dan Ballard. I mean, Dan Ballard. Uh, all of John's options are well worth a shout. But a third option that I'm probably going to go with, I think, is oof, I'm going to go with one of the fullbacks, but I don't know which one to go for. I think I would uh, have to chuck Lugo Nine in there just for deliberately kicking the ball off Shea Adams after he got booked for doing the exact same was, thing in the first half. That was quite funny. Yes, that was actually quite funny. Um, I'll tell you what, then. I'm going to go with. Oh, I do you know what, screw it. I'm going to go with Luco Nine just for that. You know, let's have a bit of a banter moment in there. But seriously, yeah, Luco Nine. I mean, Luco Nine was going to have to have the game of his life because they had Adam Armstrong in the first half, Stuart Armstrong on in there as well, and they had Che Adams and Ryan Fraser coming off the bench for the second half. And I think with along with Dan Ballard, he marshaled everyone brilliantly. And we all Southampton had a couple of chances, but we mostly kept them at bay, re, re, surprisingly comfortably. So. To be three options, Luke O'Nine, um, Peter Equa and Dan Neal. But again, you couldn't think of anyone who had a bad game. Yeah. Um, well, two-week break in national break. And I say we'll have a podcast out to talk about, you know, the transfer window, um, incomings, outgoings, all of that stuff. But the next game is QPR away, John. And like I said, although QPR allegedly have, have improved the way they play this season, um, I'm sure we'll see about that one. It's going to be a completely different game to Southampton. It's going to be a game that Sunderland no doubt dominate possession, dominate the ball and have to find a way 
to you know break QPR down, which I presume is going to be how the game goes. Um, we don't know who's going to play. We don't know if anyone's going to be um, you know changed in the squad. A lot of things could happen between now and then. But if you had to go with an early prediction for the game, it would be uh, a two 0 win. I think our uh, our record's quite good down there. Uh, I think last time we played didn't pass and save a penalty. And we, um, I think we battered them, to be fair. So I'd expect something along those lines. Uh, again, I'll take, I'll take any win at the end of the day. And the clean sheets are coming now. So if we can, again, don't build get me on... started, John. <laughs> now, if we can, if we can build on those, which you know we've we've got two, you know, out of two, very very good attacking. You know, I think Coventry scored loads of goals yesterday. You know, we've we've done really well. Um, and Southampton scored four, I think, last weekend. So, you know, we can only build on that. And if we do that, we know we've got the talent up front. So, yeah, I'll take any win, but I'll go 2 0. Rusin and Tomato. There you go. Random. Very random. <laughs> um, Michael. I hope John's right because I'm going down to it, actually. Um, right. OK. It's not necessarily what I think, but, for the, but since I've started doing reverse psychology and I've been predicting us not the win, we've been winning games. So, um, I'll go one-one, but it's not. But what I actually think, but it's not necessarily what I think. I do think we'll win three-one. I think if we, like you said, if we can manage QPR's side of the game, because it is going to be a different, different type of game. But I think as well, it'll be key, like with Southampton, for different reasons that we need to get the first goal. I think if you score first, then I could see us scoring a couple past them because then they have to come out. If they score first, then. Ugh. It's not going to be a very pretty watch, put it that way. So I'll go one-one just for the sake of reverse psychology, but obviously it's not really what I think. Yeah, that's fine. But like I say, that's two weeks' time. We'll have a podcast out during the break to discuss the transfer window, discuss the incomings, outgoings. Um, but until then, we'll see you later. That's all, folks.